0: if your Bibles, please open 2 Timothy 3, or well, yeah, it was 2 Timothy 3.16, that's kind of like a starting point. Uh, this evening's message is, is not going to be like a regular kind of preaching, um, but rather it's more like just uh, us to kind of understand why we are uh, who we are as a fellowship group. Um, you'll notice in, the, in our Sunday worship service, we, uh, Pastor Henry's been going through a vision mission. Uh, statement for our church as a whole and I thought it would be good for us to have something like that for, the, for our, our fellowship group tonight um, because it allows us to kind of see you know why do we exist and to think about those things and try to keep us on track and I spent some time just thinking about what would be what would be like my hopes for our bible study this this coming year Uh, I was thinking about maybe doing something like this every, maybe the first Friday of every year, just to kind of help us set uh, the course for it. And throughout the year, I'll probably remind us of this uh, just so that we know that we are um, hoping, hopefully, we could fulfill these things. Um, Not just in terms of just for sake of goals, but also for sake of just, um, you know, uh, just giving us all a purpose uh, for our Bible study. So. If I was to summarize the vision of joint heirs, it will be this. Uh, the vision of joint heirs is to learn God's word so that believers can be steadfast in the Lord daily, seek discipleship regularly, serve the, Lord, serve the church faithfully, and to share the gospel boldly. So I'll say that again, and that's really going to be their outline because we're going to kind of break this down, and, and, that, and that will be kind of like the guide for our, uh, our fellowship group for this year. So the vision of joint heirs is to learn God's word so that believers can be steadfast in the Lord daily, seek discipleship regularly, serve the church faithfully, and to share the gospel boldly. So, again, if you have that as kind of like your if you're writing it down, that's going to be the outline. Because I'm going to kind of break this down and, and give us some biblical Principles and why I think this is important for us as a fellowship group, and even give us some direct application how we can apply it uh, this year. So the first one is this: is that uh, what join heirs is supposed to be? Is to learn God's word. We're here first and foremost to learn God's word, and it's important because uh, you know we're called San Francisco Bible Church for a reason. Uh, We want to live up to that. Uh, you know, San Francisco is our location, Bible is what we're about, and church is a place that we meet. And I think we want to live up to just even our name because we should be a place that's known for, uh, for how well we know the Bible and also how well we live out the Bible. But it's important that we first consume God's Word in our own life. Uh, we believe that the Bible has everything pert- pertaining to life and godliness. I uh, have you turned to uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, and it should be a familiar passage to all of you. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for a proof of correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All of the things that we do here, uh, not just in joint heirs, but the whole church, but particularly for us in joint heirs, should be from the Scriptures. Uh, we, we try as a ministry group to try to find biblical uh, principles and commands, and we want to do our best to apply those things. That's why we sing songs of praise, that's why we have fellowship groups, that's why we pray with each other, we do all of these things because the scripture commands us to do those things. But there are areas in scripture where it's kind of like a gray area and it just allows wisdom for us to try to figure out what would be the most effective way for our ministry to grow and to thrive, uh, so that's why we, we do these like game nights, it's not that the Bible has anything to say about games, positive or negative, we just thought that these would be fun ways in which our Bible study can, can grow and just have fun and to live life together there are other things in Scripture that, that, that are explicit commands that we need to have in our life. Things like, um, you know, being in one another's lives and to live holy lives. These are commands in Scripture that are very explicit. Now, I, I want to make it clear that sometimes when I preach, I oftentimes will say things like, it is my opinion, or here's how I would apply it. Those things are just really suggestions uh, the biblical passages that I use, those are yeah, those are inerrant, so those are infallible, um, and those are things that I, I will never change. But the application, I do believe in Scripture, gives us freedom in, in terms of how we can apply certain things. So there will be times where I would preach, and I'll say, here's a biblical Scripture, here's, and I'll explain the passage, I'll illustrate the passage, and I'll give an application. And although I give an application, that's only one of many applications. Um, and that's that's, I think... That's I think the wisdom of God in giving us a, a, the Scriptures the way it is because yes, we can see in Second uh, Timothy three sixteen that this is that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All that we have in Scripture is supposed to help us, guide us in everything in our life. I mean, some of you guys are again I'm going through passages that you guys should know, uh, but like Second Timothy I mean sorry Second Peter. Reminds us that Scripture has everything pertaining to life of godliness, or pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. So as Christians, we are people that are Bible-centered. We're, 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 this fellowship group, and actually all our fellowship groups, are centered around God's Word. And I want to intend to keep it that way, because everything that we do should stem from the Word of God. Now, you should want to desire God's Word. I mean, that's why we encourage things like Bible reading and your own devotional time and uh, prayer and memorizing Scripture. All of these things are important because God's Word is the thing that drives all of us. If we lose the Scriptures, uh, everything else will fall. And if you remember, I think it was two weeks ago or a week ago, when Pastor Henry had that flow chart thing where it said, like, when the church falls, uh, I would argue that the time the church really begins to decline is when they deny Scripture when there is a lack of trust in God's Word, when the sufficiency of Scripture is no longer a valid option. Uh, whenever you see a liberal church fall away, they always begin by denying some small part of Scripture, and then they'll have this domino effect, and it'll, everything else will be something they deny. And that's just the, the history of you know, the evangelicalism or the church as a, whole, as a whole. Whenever you see people denying God's Word, that's when the church falls. And I hope that this generation and future generations will will continue to hold on to the supremacy of God's word in their own life. You should always want to learn about God and God's word. And I'm not speaking against things like, you know, listening to podcasts or going online, listening to sermon audios. I'm not against those things. But there is something special in learning God's word in the local body. Uh, that's why I encourage guys to uh, go to Sunday school, to be part of a small group or part of a Bible study uh, throughout the week, because you can see this, you can listen to the messages and it's really directed towards you. Uh, the people, the, the shepherds here, the pastors, the Sunday school teachers, we have a better relationship and know who you are so that we can kind of address specific issues that's going on in your life. You can listen to sermons, you know, like I, I listen to a whole bunch of sermons, uh, but there's that disconnect between you know, one of those famous pastors in my own life, because they're, they're really speaking towards either their own congregation or, or they're really broad with their application. Uh, and my hope is that as we, as joiners, uh, we find ways in which we learn God's word, um, because it's, 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 it's a lifeblood for us if we want to grow and be more Christ-like. All things that we do stems from scriptures, and when we know the mind of God, we can live worshipfully to the Lord. So, yeah, everything first begins with God's word, and out of that, there's an outpouring of how we need to live out our lives so that all that we do can magnify God's glory. So, first, we know God's word, and this is the active thing that we do. And I'm going to use that word active a lot because the Christian life is actively pursuing something. And the first is that we actively learn God's word, and then we'll go on to everything else. So, as you actively learn more about God's word, God, as you actively learn more about God through His Word, you should actively be steadfast in the Lord. Seek discipleship regularly. Serve the church faithfully, and share the gospel boldly. We're going to get to our second point: is to to be steadfast in the Lord daily. Be steadfast in the Lord daily. For this, you jump over Second Thessalonians. Again, I'm going to jump all over the place. This is not how I usually teach, but I think for the sake of this uh, particular message, I am going to go all over the place just, be, just to kind of give us a framework on how uh, we should go about our Bible study. 2 Thessalonians, this is, a, this is a familiar book. It should be to, to all of us. This is a church that is a faithful church. They thought that they missed the rapture uh, and that, they, um, that, God's, that God has returned, and then they left them behind. But Paul is encouraging that these people just to be steadfast as Christians and, and to be a light uh, and represent Christ until Christ returns. In Second Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul writes, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing uh, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Paul here was just, is trying to encourage the believers not only just to pray for them, but that he's praying that Paul also praying for them, hoping that this church, which is known for their faith, will, will continue to thrive and to excel. Uh, the things that he's taught them, all the things he shepherded and, and um, said to them, that they will hold on to the truth and therefore hold on to Christ. And, and being in a congregation, as we preach God's word, it's not supposed to only be something that you put in your notebook or that you type in your uh, uh, phone and it just leaves it there. My hope is that when we preach to you God's word, that it actually goes into your heart so that you can be steadfast in the Lord. That you can grow in the love of Christ so that you can be faithful to him in every area of your life. Because there will be seasons in your life, and I know you guys are college and career, and some of you have already been through a lot of different trials, even at a young age. You need something to hold on to. As as, as great as the church is, as, as great as your family and friends are, those things will not last. But the only thing that will last is the Lord and his word. And I hope that for all of you, as you're learning about the Lord, you're actively learning and hearing His Word, that you will actively continue to be steadfast in the Lord. Because in our day and age, it's becoming more and more evident that it's going to be harder and harder to be a Christian. I mean, just look, we are, here in San Francisco in particular, we are really the, the tip of the spear in terms of all of the, the wackiness that goes on in, the, in our country. Uh, so when, if they were to really do persecution, it will most likely be in a place like San Francisco. My hope is that the things that you learn about God, all of things from your small groups uh, to Sunday school to this pulpit, whether it's Sunday or Friday, that you cherish God's Word, that you, that you will write it in your heart, that you meditate on it, that you treasure it because God's Word is, what is, is really the only way that we can commune with the Lord, uh, that we can know what He wants, that we can understand the mind of God. And he can give us hope during very difficult times. There will be seasons in your life where being a Christian is not going to be easy. And it's especially do- during those hard times, you need to remember God's word. It's this, and, and some of you, all, I mean really all of us, we're either in a trial right now getting, or, or getting out of a trial or waiting for a trial. It's just a cycle of living in a fallen world. And then for some of you that are in those good times where things are relatively easier for you, take this time to actively really take a stock of God's Word in your heart because there will be a time when you'll need to tap into that. You need to remember those things, especially when it's hard to think objectively, when it's hard to think uh, clearly. Having God's Word in your heart when, things are, when times are easy can prepare you for those moments. So You can prepare your heart to be steadfast in the Lord. So you could endure when there is persecution, when people are making you choose between your career or Christianity, when people choose between your family or your faith, you will always choose God over everything in the world. But you can only do that once you first understand God's word and you actively listen and then you actively have this steadfastness for the Lord daily. You know, I want to encourage all of you to, to do spend some time reading God's word and meditating God's word regularly. You know, I know and, I, I'm, this Again, here's my opinion. I suggest that you should all have a physical Bible that you actually go to, just because the physical Bible won't give you any notifications. You know, nothing will just pop up on your paper. If it does, you might need to see a doctor. But generally speaking, when you have a physical Bible, uh, it helps in terms of getting rid of distractions so that you can meditate on God's Word more, so you can focus on Him, so you, and you need to actively ask the Lord to give you insight into His Word. It takes effort, and I, I'm not against technology. I mean, I'm, using, I'm preaching off an iPad right now, so I'm not against it. I'm just saying that what I've noticed, even in my own personal life, is that when I read out of my physical Bible, I tend to get more out of it as opposed to reading from my, my, techno, my, you know, my iPad or my iPhone. Again, I'm not against those things. I'm just saying that if you have your own physical Bible, you could, you can almost almost remember things better. At least that's for me. I'm a visual learner, so I, whenever I think about counseling cases or I'm evangelizing, I can in my mind go to certain pages and actually flip to it. Um, it's just again, again, I might be old, uh, but I think there is something something that uh, it's something practical in terms of finding a better way to, or a more efficient way to learn God's word. So and, then, and like just find finding ways to be steadfast in the Lord daily. And you need to read God's word. You know we see uh, food, we see spiritual, food, we see God's word as spiritual food. We need to be nourished every single day so that we can be faithful, so we can be steadfast when things get difficult. So not only the vision of air is to learn God's word so that believers can have a steadfast that uh, can be steadfast in the Lord daily, but also to seek discipleship regularly. The vision of air is to learn God's word so that believers can be steadfast in the Lord daily. And to seek discipleship regularly, you can jump over to Second Timothy two two. This is should be a familiar passage to us. We've we've well, that was like kind of like our main text for this fellowship group where we started. Uh, but Paul here is writing to Timothy. He Timothy Paul's at the toward the end of his life, and he wants to give a charge to Timothy. Timothy was discouraged. Uh, he was the pastor, and he just felt. Uh, discouraged because of all of the persecutions going, that's going on and it seems to imply in Second Timothy that it's, it's almost like Timothy wanted to quit. And Paul in his last letter to Timothy is just telling him not to be ashamed of the gospel and, and to preach the word. But he tells him this, he instructs him in Second Timothy 2 2, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And this Little verse here, you see four generations. You see Paul talking to Timothy, and Timothy entrusting to other faithful men, and those faithful men are supposed to entrust it to others as well. The reason why we have the gospel today is because faithful men in the past applied this verse. They, uh, they, 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 they passed it on. Uh, they sought discipleship in terms of older people seeking younger people, and they, they, and they taught them all that they need to know so that the faith can be passed down. And I think this is a, you know, discipleship is always a, like a buzzword that we hear in our church or churches in our circle, but I f- sometimes feel that we aren't really pursuing it the way that we should, uh, because discipleship is not necessarily just for, you know, preaching, because I think, you know, discipleship, there is some discipleship aspect when I preach, uh, and, th- and there are also discipleship components and things like the small groups or the discussion groups that we have discipleship in a lot of ways it's just life on life as we point each other to christ you live life together in whatever context and this is why the christian life is is really cool because we're actively involved in each other's lives we get to know each other uh, we we get uh we we see each other's weaknesses and then we're encouraged by each other's strength we we inc- we help one another when we're struggling in our faith and we, we praise the Lord when we overcome sin, and we see all of that, and there should be a level of transparency in our life because we want to entrust and teach others the things that we know and hope that, they can, that all of us can grow in Christ-likeness. As we think about just even our, our, our fellowship group, we are going to have small groups again. We had it last fall. Uh, I, I'll, I guess I'll let, as the, I will let you know who the small group leaders are toward the end of the month, but just pray about it, you know, if the Lord has placed in your heart, you know, you want to be part of a small group, this is a good opportunity for, the, for this fellowship group to kind of break down a little bit so that we can get to know each other some more, so that we can have intentional conversations. And by intentional, I mean, really, I think it's very easy for us to think about the Christian life as almost, like the church as some sort of social club, uh, that we only meet here on Fridays and Sundays, and it's just like another place to gather to hang out with people among, that are our peers. And that's not really discipleship. Discipleship has, a, has an intentional component to it, uh, that you're trying to encourage each other, to, to point each other to Christ. Yes, you're going to talk about trivial things, but you need to go beyond that. Because as Christians, we're not like the world. The world loves to talk about things like sports and entertainment, and I'm not saying those things are inherently wrong, but what makes true discipleship is when we are willing to point each other to Christ, that we sharpen each other that we uh, confront each other when there's sin and we confess our sins and we build each other up. These are all aspects of discipleship. Discipleship is really you pouring out to someone else and, and having others pour into you as well. And there, I mean, aside from the, just even the small groups that we are going to have, um, you know, our church as a whole, we have things like, uh, for the ladies, we have T2, we have Heart to Heart, we have Adorned, T2 is kind of like the multi-generational ladies group uh, that meets seasonally, that heart-to-heart, which is a like, ladies one-on-one type group. And then Dorne is also another multi-generational group. Uh, for men, well, we have our men's Bible study on Wednesday um, called Anchored. We have Forge, which is like the one-on-one. It's almost like we, I wonder if we, just keep, if we just keep all the names similar because functionally they all do similar things. Just They're different names and you know, gender-specific. Um, but yeah, our church has different types of formal discipleship. And I want to encourage you guys to take advantage of those things, to just be in in each other's lives some more. Because it's important. The Christian life is not just, we're we're not here just to meet for the sake of meeting. There's a purpose in in why we meet. And and largely it's because we want to learn God's word. That's discipleship. And we want to pour out into other people. And that's also discipleship. So you find yourself always pouring out and and not having anyone pouring into your life. Then that's a problem. Because then eventually you might, uh, you might, you, know, you might be discouraged or you might run out of things. Uh, just, you know, there's a limit to how much you know, but you have other people pouring into you and you pour out to others a uh, constant flow in terms of being challenged and, being, um, yeah, and, and people causing you to encourage you to grow in the faith. You should, and, and you know, I know in our, I mean, it's, it's not just our church, but I know that a lot of churches struggle with this when they talk about the word, we want community. And really, you can't really have a community if you're not an active participant in the church. Again, I'm using that word intentionally, active, because I think in our day and age, we, we, we think of the, the church like some sort of consumer, something that's cons- that we consume, like some sort of like gym or something we get out of it, like a movie. But that's not the case. The church is like, you have to actively engage people. You find someone that's younger in the faith, you, you develop close relationships with them so that you can pour out into them, and then you're active in terms of finding someone more mature in the faith, To pour out into you, that's what Christianity. Part of what Christianity, what makes us so unique, and the means of grace is that we are always learning about the Lord, and we're always teaching other people about God. I'm so thankful for all of the Sunday school teachers that we have, in terms of you know, from the little kids all the way to the adults, because that's a good model of discipleship. We, and it's cool because I've heard. That there were some young people that were in the nursery, and now they're like, I guess it's Roger, really. He's like, he was in the nursery all the way until like now he's a pastor of this church. And it's because all of these people in, from years past have invested in him. All of the things that he's learned from about the Lord, and yeah, he learned from seminary as well. Now he's pouring back into younger kids. And there's, and, and there's going to be other people as well that, have, that you were poured into as they're young. And then when they get older, they're going to pour out to the other young people and then there's going to be, you know, we're not all going to be young forever. Eventually, there's going to be people look at us and like, oh, you're so old. It's like, no, I'm not. And then you teach them God's word. And there's going to be younger people in the faith that's going to come into the Bible study, come into the church, and you want to do your best to pour out to them all the things that you learned. So then going back to the first one, when you hear God's word, whether it's behind the pulpit, whether it's Sunday school, wherever it may be, you have to actively listen to internalize those things, apply it to your life, And then teach it to someone else. Find someone in the church that you're invested, that you want to invest in. When we talk about community, it doesn't, I don't really appreciate that word that much because I I get it, but it sounds very selfish at times because it's like, well, I don't have this community. Well, how do you define a community? How many many numbers of people do you need? Do you need like a posse or something or some sort of clique? Um, Really, you just need to pour out into anyone that the Lord put in your path. There'll be seasons in your life where you can invest in certain types of people, like, yeah, like, whether it's like children, and then there might be a season in your life where you're investing in careers, and there'll be seasons in your life where you're investing in married people. That's normal. I mean, if you look at some of our elders in our church, I think all of them have rotated through different fellowship groups throughout the years, um, and that's because they have something to offer to everyone in every life stage. And that's, the, and that's just what discipleship is. You're, you're making intentional relationships with people to encourage each other to be like Christ. Again, you have to be an active pursuer of those things. You have to actively listen to God's word. You have to actively uh, listen to God's word so that you can be steadfast in the Lord daily. You need to be active in God's word so you can seek discipleship regularly. And you need to actively listen to God's word so you can serve the church faithfully. Our fourth point is that you can serve the church faithfully. For this one, you can jump to mm, 1 Peter. Chapter two. When we think about serving the church, part of serving the church involves, sorry, uh, yeah, First Peter chapter two. Um, part of uh, part of the Christian life involves us using our life to serve other people. Sorry, First Peter chapter four. I was like, where is it in my Bible? Was, yeah. So, First Peter chapter four. The Christian life is unique in this that we are called, after being saved, to use the gifts that the Lord has given us to serve Him. I mean, Ephesians chapter two says that by, sa- by faith you've been saved through grace, not of work of yourself, so you may not boast. And then we usually kind of leave it at that. But the next verse tells us that for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. So that means that you're saved. Yes, all your salvation, everything that pertains to salvation is not your own doing. But what you do with it afterwards involves work. It involves whether it's you're evangelizing to people, whether you're pouring out and doing discipleship or you're serving in different ways in the church, you're called to use your gifts to glorify the Lord. And, and, and let me define spiritual gifts in this way. It's anything that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do to build up the church, anything that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do to build up the church. That means that you only true believers have spiritual gifts. Uh, you use these gifts to serve and to care about other people. Now there are, are multiple lists in the New Testament about what the different spiritual gifts are. You can write these things down. as First Corinthians chapter twelve, Romans chapter twelve, Ephesians chapter four. But I just want to look at First Peter chapter four as kind of like a almost like a, a text for us to kind of figure out what our gifts are because that's probably one of your questions like what are my spiritual gifts how do I know I think first Peter chapter 4 gives us a good grid in some ways Uh, first Peter chapter 4 verse 10 as each one has received a special gift employ in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So really, this, I really appreciate this passage here because it's, it narrows down spiritual gifts to really two things. Things that you say and things that you do. And that's, really, and that's a really broad category. And I like that because the Holy Spirit is going to move you and each of us differently so that we can be used by Lord, the Lord differently. There's not one gift in the body that is better than the other. 1 the, uh, Corinthians describes all of us are different members of a body. And, and, that, and that's, that's a really good illustration because if you're missing one part of the body, then the whole body is affected by it. Some of you, your giftedness involves using your words. It could be in the things like discipleship. It could be in things like encouragement, meaning that you're just really naturally gifted in just talking to someone and finding a way to build them up. And that's just your spiritual gift. The Lord given you the right uh, the insights and the timing to be able to speak into people's lives where they are encouraged by it. Others of you, it's more about things that you say, uh, things you say and things you do. So other you know, some of you, I know a lot of you, you guys, or you're really setting up tables, or you're good at delivering food when people are sick. Those are things that you do with your hands, and and really every gift can pull, put into those categories, those two categories. And that's something you think about. What are the things I like? What what are things I like to do? Do I like to teach things or or talk and use my use like my mouth to encourage other people or to build other people up? Or there's like do I like using my hands to help the church, whatever practical way uh, that can help build up the body? I remember a few months ago, I think a few of you helped put those little bird, those sp- bird spikes, and praise the Lord that you guys did that, because without it, then we'll have a bunch of bird poop everywhere. I wonder if it caught any birds. Some of you should go check, use your gifts. Um, but yeah, you know, our, our whole Bible study, I and mean, we have things like events team, we have the food ministry, we have AV, we have worship. Uh, there are different things that we can do in our Bible study that you can do to serve, to build up the body. So if it is um, if you feel like the lord's calling you to do a sp- particular task, you should totally go for it uh, try it A lot of the ministries in our church, the formal ministries are really people seeing a need in the church and then try and, meeting, and try meeting those needs you see okay there 's a need here let 's say and, and i don 't know when the church was a lot smaller there wasn 't an AV team but when the church got bigger, they realized they need like sound systems so then different people in the church they got the techie people, they understood that need, so then they start researching and finding ways to to make it so that, to figure out all the sound systems so that other people can be blessed by it. And you need to be mindful. You need to be this active participant in the church. As you're in the church, don't be someone that just thinks that this is just a place that you go to. See this as, the home, as, your, as like your own house. Like, what do I need to fix? What are things that I can do to help so that people can worship better? How can I encourage the body? You, you want to be active in that way. Think about ways, think about your part in the, larger, in, in the larger context of the church. There should not be any believer here in this Bible study that's doing nothing for the church. Again, you should all have a spiritual gift. The Lord has empowered you to do something. And the people that choose not to do anything, they're not being faithful. That's what Paul here, I and mean, Peter says here in first, first Peter chapter 4, is that it's a, it's a stewardship issue as one who has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whatever you do in the name of the Lord, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to use to build-up people to be more like Christ. So if you want to think even beyond joint heirs, we have children's ministry, we have different outreach events, Um, we even have like ushering team. I know that uh, when we have our church family meetings, sometimes we'll make our needs known, and those are those times you think, hey, I want to be more involved in that. Not everyone is going to be a preacher. Not everyone is going to be a teacher. Not everyone's going to be the face of some ministry, but all of us should be involved. All of us should be a part, an active participant in the body of Christ. A vibrant and lively church only happens because the people are active in the church. The programs and ministries are made up of people who want to serve the church in this way. I mean, even if, as I think back the last several years, we have um, the reason why we hired our children's directors was we saw this need in the church, and we thought we need uh, uh, someone to kind of oversee all of that so that, the ch- so that the children can be cared for and to be discipled and ministered to, and that's why we hired Theo the way that we did. And even years before, when Roger came and myself, there were needs in the church that the, that the elders saw were needs, and we wanted to hire someone for those things. And we're not going to hire everything for every, every position in the church whenever we see a need, but... There should be, for all of us, a desire to build up the church in whatever way possible. And there are things that are just unique about you that you can give insight to the needs of our church. You know, like, I'm so grateful for some of our elders and their background because they give us insight into certain issues that we may not even think about. Um, And that's just the way the Lord gifted them, uh, to use their gifts and use the things that they have learned to help benefit this church. That's what I hope for all of us here that you guys are engaged in the church by serving in some way. I'm not saying you work your way into salvation. I'm saying that because you're saved, you understand that your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Your life belongs to the Lord, and you want to use the life that God has given you to serve other people in the church. So join heirs, again, the vision here, the vision of join heirs is to learn God's word so that believers can be steadfast in the Lord daily, seek discipleship regularly, serve the church faithfully, And lastly, to share the gospel boldly. To share the gospel boldly. This one, this again, I'm going to just throw a familiar passage to us, Matthew 28. And Pastor Henry actually talked about uh, the great great command last week, and I believe he's going to do the great commission this week. Uh, So I don't know if he's going to use this particular passage, but if he is, then sorry, PH. (laughs) But Matthew 28 is a familiar text to us. This is Jesus' command and commission to believers is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, this is Jesus' last words in the book of Matthew, and it's, it should be familiar to us because that is why we're still here, because we are supposed to go and win people to Christ. I was preaching to my my alma mater this past uh, Wednesday, and I told the students the same thing: like you are primarily a Christian. If you're a Christian, your main objective is that you're a Christian first, and then everything else second. You're a Christian first, and you are a student. Years down the line, you're a Christian first, and you are a college student. If you're a Christian first, then you are a biologist or. or physician, or doctor, or whatever uh, uh, occupation that you're part of, you're primarily a Christian, and you're representing Christ in those areas in hopes that not only to, to do a good job to benefit society, that's part of it, but you're trying to be in those areas so you can win people to Christ. You know, you, we are all on this rescue mission, and the Lord has placed us in different areas. Some of you are college students. Think about their classmates that, you, that you've made relationships with so that you can share the gospel with them. Some of you are, you know, working, and think about your coworkers that's on your project. You're bound to have some downtime, and you want to think, how can I find a way to share the gospel with this person? And I find that the more you pray about evangelism, the more evangelistic, evangelistic, evangelistic opportunities there will be. And I think sometimes the reason why. There isn't a, like a thriving evangelism in whatever fellowship group or whatever ministry is because people don't pray for the lost enough. We're not thinking, where, who can I share the gospel with? And and we all have neighbors, we all have coworkers, we all have family members that do not know Jesus Christ. And you need to, and you need to be actively engaged in the world as well. Yes, coming here at church, you can relax a little bit. You can be at ease. But when you're out in the world, when you're in your classrooms and when you're at work, you need, to be, you need to be vigilant. You need to think about the people in your life that you're representing Christ in hopes that you can bring people to Christ. In a lot of ways, being a light in the world, that's like passive evangelism. It means like the way that you are in Christ, uh, the way that you uh, you're just your personal holiness is going to draw some people to you. But I've never, I don't, I don't even think biblically, anyone can come to saving faith by just observing someone. I've yet to hear a testimony where it the reason why I became a Christian was because I just looked at someone's life and that was it. I looked at him, and I realized I'm a sinner. It's, it's never that. It's, if, if it happens, it's very rare. Usually it's I see someone that's holy and then I ask them about things and then they confront me with scripture and sin and that's when they come to saving faith. Uh, it's, so it's not just a passive evangelism, but there's so those active as well that you have to be mindful you have to think about those that, uh, to share the gospel with. So here's my, I guess, task for some of you. In the next, let's, let's say five months, I want you to pray for at least one person. Just pray for one person, and for, when the next five months, you're praying for this person, at some point in the five months, share the gospel with them. Just think about one person. It could be a family member. It could be a coworker, classmate, whatever it may be. Think about just one person that you want to share the gospel with. Now, I'm not going to say, like, give me the list of all the people. Uh, and, and, you know, so you're not, you're not graded for any of these things, but just, just so that you're, you're mindful that your life is not your own and you're here to represent something greater. You, you, some of you guys, you know how to act and behave when you represent your company, and it should be more so when we represent Christ. We need to represent Christ in what we do in our, in our daily lives. Yeah, those things are just a means by which we share the gospel with people. So pray freely, prayerfully ask the Lord to give you those opportunities and the more you pray, the more you think about uh, the people in your life, the more God will honor that prayer. Because God delights when, when someone comes with saving faith. And even in our, uh, I know that some of, there are some people here Friday nights that go into San Francisco and they, do, and they go out to do city team. That's great. That's right before Bible study. If you're interested in that, I can introduce you to the person that, over, that, that helps oversee that. And once a month, our church has a door-to-door evangelism as well. On the first Sunday of every month, and, you know, we mentioned the evangelism class that I'm going to teach, and my hope in that is that we, I can equip you guys so that you can be confident in, in, in preaching the gospel boldly to those in your life. It is going to be something that requires us to repent of our fears, because that's really why we don't want to do evangelism. It's where We have this fear of man as opposed, to being, as opposed to fear of the Lord. We care more about other people's opinions of us more than we value God's opinion of us. And I hope that we think about our life as, as being in this great commission, that we really are here redeemed by the Lord to rescue people from the domain of darkness. And you know, there's an encouragement that, that Christ tells, that it was written in, in Matthew 20, that he will be with us always. So even though you're doing evangelism, and it may feel like you're all by yourself in the classroom, at work, or at home, you're not, because the Lord is with you. And when you know that the Lord's with you, you should be bold to tell people about, this, about our Savior. Again, my challenge to you, and if you want accountability, maybe you could find one or two people, and say, hey, can you pray for so-and-so? And in five months, you know, ask, uh, uh, you know, ask me, have I shared the gospel with him? Again, I'm not gonna grade you. I'm just gonna be praying for a Bible study in hopes that all of you at least have one person in your life that you, that you love enough to go and point and to warn them of the judgment that is to come. Yeah, my hope is for our Bible study is to go and try to share. I mean, these are those five things, right? Like um, the vision of join air. So the vision of join air is to learn God's word, and that's what you guys do here uh, on a Friday and on Sunday, but particularly here on Friday. To so learn God's word so that believers can be, can be steadfast in the Lord. That means that you're daily growing and loving the Lord, holding on to Christ. Seek discipleship, and that's you know, getting to know each other, to pour into, to sharpen one another. Serve the church, that means... You know, finding ways in which you can build one another up in the in the in the faith, and lastly to share the gospel boldly, because we need, that's our job. Our here is to win people to Christ. I don't want our church to be so focused, or even this fellowship group, to be so focused on one another that we lose sight of the loss. You know, they're blinded in their sin, and if we are followers of Jesus Christ. We need to show them Christ, bring them to the light, so that they can so they can be saved and rescued. Now, I hope that's I hope that's clear in terms of the vision that I have for our Bible study. Again, I'm going to be praying for this, and I hope that you'll join me in prayer as well as we pray for our fellowship group this year. Again, I'm going to restate the statement so that it could be in our minds. The vision of joining heirs is to learn God's word so that believers can be steadfast in the Lord daily, seek discipleship regularly, serve the church faithfully, and to share the gospel boldly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we ask that you would help us fulfill these things, that we would know you through your word, and that we don't see Friday nights or Sunday or whenever we hear your word as just uh, just acquiring knowledge, but allow our hearts and minds to be shaped and changed to, to reflect that of Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to be steadfast in the faith daily. Help us during times of discouragement and depression and difficulties to hold on to you knowing that this life is a very short life. And may we be steadfast in the Lord every single day. Lord, allow us to seek discipleship as well. Humble us, Lord. Allow us to see that we are all in need of correction, and we all need other people to to help correct as well, that we need one another in the body of Christ, and that we want to entrust to those things that we've learned to other people so that other people can pass it on to others as well. Lord, help us also to serve the church faithfully. Lord, may we do all things for your glory, knowing that when we serve, we're ultimately serving you, that out of the love that we have for you, we do all things for your glory. Lord, also help us share the gospel boldly. Lord, help us cast out our fears, change our hearts so that we know that the gospel that we have is this precious thing that, that we want to tell other people. That the, the the all of us without you will enter into damnation. For us that are saved, may you remind us of the fact that we are rescued through your grace. Lord, help us. Think. Allow us to just think about the one person that we want to think about, whether it is our neighbors, or friends, or family, or whoever it may be. That you will honor this prayer so that people, uh, so these people can come to hear the gospel and and hopefully, Lord, that they. that you will soften their hearts, come to saving faith. Lord, thank you for this time we have. In your son's precious name, amen.